It's too fast. How could you even tell what's on? Too late. I'm in the 40s. Gotta go around the horn. It's faster. He's stealing Woody. Somebody do something. Woody was kidnapped. <gasps> Woody once risked his life. Hey everybody, to welcome back to the Lucky Dog Podcast. This is your host, Elias Roush. Today we are discussing Toy Story. The second. Or two. Or the sequel. Or just Toy Story 2. We're talking about Toy Story 2. <laughs> uh, so, if you've been following along, we've been going back on the last couple Toy Story movies, just going back for this final one that's coming out this at the end of this week. Most professional critics have already gotten screeners of it, so it's left me with a little bit of extra time to try to catch the first couple Toy Story movies that happened or that were released in the mid-90s. Today, we are discussing Toy Story 2, rated G, hour 32 minutes, Directed by John Lasseter, Ash Brandon, and Lee Unkirk, which is essentially the majority of the same team as the uh, the first Toy Story. The only difference is the writing team is not accompanied by, I think his name was uh, John Rat, Joe Rat, Ranft, and Josh Whedon. Um, they are not included on the second Toy Story movie. The second Toy Story movie has the original writers, John Laster, Pete Docter, um, Ash Brannon, and Andrew Stanton, all returning from the first movie. So this also has uh, a couple other individuals, Rita Hasio, Doug Chamberlain, Chris Webb. And, okay, so Joe Raft has characters uncredited, um, on this movie. So I guess he was a little bit involved just with the character building. But there are some minor to major to minimal differences, I'd say, across the board for this movie in comparison to the first one. Of course, it has tons to live up to, given the uh, the statue that Toy Story, the original movie, you know, set back in 1995 only four years before. And I pretty much thought well, that was almost a perfect movie. There was only some small things about it I wasn't too crazy about. So if you're looking for the entire um, podcast review, go back into the SoundCloud, check out um, the Toy Story podcast review, and keep uh, up to date by subscribing to see all the rest of the podcasts that we are going to be dropping regarding to- Toy Story. So... This movie, Toy Story 2, uh, went f- brought the original budget of Toy Story 1, $30 million, to Toy Story 2, which is a $90 million budget. And so with uh, the $90 million budget, let's see how they did. They, they grossed $57 million opening weekend and $458 million worldwide which i think i said this in the first cast i did think that was a little bit low but in comparison to toy story one toy story one was kind of i would say a smaller hit i i mean it it definitely did 
you know, gangbusters for the franchise and for Disney as a whole. But it only opened on a with a thirty or Toy Story One had a thirty million dollar budget and only opened to twelve million, um, about twelve and a half million, and that was around Thanksgiving of that year. So nobody was really expecting it to be a major hit to the extent that it was. It went on to gross three hundred and seventy three million dollars worldwide, and so they tried to triple their budget for the second Toy Story. Um, bringing in at ninety million, they didn't really get their return in that. From what I'm looking at, um, I know Toy Story three was the one that really um, brought the the boatload in. That that third movie was really did it. But um, there are some, I would say, some pretty significant differences in the way that this story is structured. Just mostly because we're already familiar with the toys and once we're in this world. A lot of what was interesting in the first movie was being introduced to everybody and uh, kind of uh, learning all of the character development and how their interaction as sentient toys um, you know, is in that world. And so when you see something for the first time, obviously it has that shock factor of you've never seen this before. But the problem is uh, once you try to follow up that first album, you try to get that second album, it's almost indefinitely more scrutinized because people say, oh, it's not like the first one. Oh, it's not as good as the second. You know, it, it's good, but not as good as the first one. Or it's, you know, it's this, but it's not what I'm looking for, and I kind of miss my the original. So it's got to be difficult for artists of all type, no matter if you're in music or directing or this or that and the other, to always try to follow up your one of your best hits with another greatest hits. So you always got to, uh, you know, salute anyone that can do that. Um, so what exactly is the difference in Toy Story One versus Toy Story Two? Well, um, we we kind of talked about in a non-spoiler uh, review of Toy Story that what it ultimately is about is, you know, learning not to be, you know, selfish via Woody and Buzz. And it kind of takes you on this, you know, buddy cop movie of them trying to find the ultimate destination, which happens to be home. And uh, the importance of being uh, a toy in someone's life. And uh, there's a lot of other underlying tones that we covered in the podcast. So obviously you can go back and check that. Um, but I'd say the biggest difference in Toy Story 1 versus Toy Story 2 is the fact that there isn't this emotional through line that comes with the first Toy Story that is missing in Toy Story 2. I think there are some great emotional beats that happen in Toy Story 2, but the overall movie kind of felt stagnant in a way that I was wanting more from. I wanted them to go places. I wanted more to happen. And I wasn't quite, I you know, remembering the movie, I had more fonder m- memories about it, but mostly because I think this is, um, more of a kids geared movie. There aren't as many scenes that would geared toward adults or adults would only, you know, recognize. And I don't think that that completely takes down a movie as a whole, just for an adult, you know, because I think that there's still things that you can enjoy. But the thing is, 
this movie relies so much more on slapstick gags and visual, I'd say visual motifs, that the first movie had less of, and they relied more on the writing and the character building between uh, between everyone. And so I think that was the, the biggest uh, misfire with Toy Story 2. Now, granted, I'm going to give you the rating of what I what I think it is already. So, um, I I believe the first one I gave like a 9 out of 10. So, the second one I'm going to give an 8 out of 10 because I still think it hits on just about all... It fires on just about all levels. It's just the emotional through line didn't really uh, connect with me personally. So, let me go to the synopsis and we will discuss this movie more in depth when Woody is stolen by a toy collector Buzz and his friends set on a rescue mission to save Woody before he becomes a museum toy in Tokyo property wait sorry before he becomes a museum toy property with his roundup gang Jesse Prospector and Bullseye so yeah the uh the overall plot synopsis is it's very divided. There's an A plot and a B plot, and it's Woody stuck with this, these uh, individual, these people that he's part of a set. We find out more about Woody's backstory. So he ends up, uh, I I don't, I, let me see if I can talk about this. Woody ends up with these group of individuals who happen to be part of his toy set who somebody wants to have. And they want the toy set so they can, um, you know, take. Oh, you see, you hear that? Um, so they want to take the toy set that Woody is part of and sell it. And so, um, the the whole movie premise is Buzz and the gang come into. I guess the guys of the gang, because Bo Peep and them don't come, but. Uh, the guys in the gang, or Buzz and the gang, all go to, you know, get Woody. Damn, it's starting to rain a little bit. I wonder if y'all can hear that. So, um, yeah, I I honestly found the A-plot of Woody dry. I, 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 I found it going kind of in circles, and they were kind of spinning their wheels, waiting to, until they could really explore the plot of what... Uh, uh, but the Buzz Rescue Mission. Now, I do think this movie has a lot of great uh, visual motifs, and it definitely refers to other movies in a way that are, you know, tipping the hat off, you know, like an alien. There's actually a major spoiler for uh, Star Wars. Uh, so, it, Star Wars, the the first uh, pr- you know, the first three movies. So if you if you want you to re- you know remain spoiler free on Star Wars, um, the early trilogy, I would highly recommend watching that first before you finish Toy Story because they just flat out just uh, rip it off. And so um, that among other movies, I mean there there are other movies that are taken from Star Wars. You got uh, two thousand one, A Space Odyssey. Um, not, not so much that, but just a little bit, uh, alien, like I said, there's other movies that this takes off of, um, you know, kind of tips the hat at just a little bit, but I enjoy the way they do it. So I kind of wanted a little bit more of that. The, the, the main problem with this plot of Toy Story 2 is that it, it ultimately comes at a time where, 
I thought that the, the the writing between the characters on the A plot just was not as strong. I mean, all of the characters seem to have very much of the same personalities and they very much follow the contemporary tone of what they were set in the first movie, but you know, the new the new characters of Joan Cusack as Jesse is Jesse um and Kelsey Grammer as Stinky Pete the prospector, um they they don't exact they don't exactly bring enough to the story that makes it an interesting sequel. So I think that's sort of what I'm coming coming to. The the ultimate movie felt like it was just it was very much a sequel and they were like, all right, we gotta have a story because we have a story. And there were some good concepts with um Wayne Knight as the uh Al the toy collector. And uh I I did enjoy that performance and they pretty much take Wayne Knight and just put him in a Toy Story movie. It, but the only thing is he's kind of one note and he doesn't really uh get jeez. Uh it, Wayne doesn't really get much uh more to do than, you know, the the bibbling bubbling uh you know, geek that happens to collect all of these types of toys and stuff like that. So, um I don't know. I the more I think about it, the more silly it becomes in my mind and I can see why people look they don't people just don't regard Toy Story 2 as um you know big emotional through lines especially for uh, the the Pixar movies, but I um I still enjoyed it. Um it's not like a waste of time or anything. Um I could I wonder if we watch Toy Story 3 and it would make sense if we went from Toy Story 1 to Toy Story 3 and you wouldn't have to watch any of it. So uh, that that's the only thing. It, 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 I guess that's sort of what what it feels like is there aren't any um nah, well, I guess that's sort of spoiler. I don't want to talk about that. Let me uh, let me let me see anything else. Um we definitely don't have that that Randy um what is it? what was his name again? Randy Newman. I felt like we the lack of Randy Newman's um, theme was definitely felt in this movie. Something about the music choices in this made it felt more whimsical, I guess, in a way, but not in a way that it was gonna have like uh, you know hard emotional stakes. And I I kind of feel like they might have the studio was like. Uh, we need to ease back on this one. We, you know, we probably got a little bit too emotional with it because there is one or two scenes within this movie that, you know, I was uh, feeling the heartstrings being pulled at. And so I was just like, um, I wanted more of that because most of it felt kind of hollow, to be honest. Um, yeah. So let me see. Um, I, I like some of the sets on here. Um, the action, I think, is a little bit more comprehensible, and it looks a lot better. I think that the, just the animation is a lot more fluent. Um, colors, the the, the cinematography is excellent when it comes down to it, um, especially for a 1999 movie. So I, 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 I liked it overall. I didn't love it. I think that's what, what it really is. Um, starting to sound like, let me see if I got anything else before it, um, yes, yes, let's see, let's see, uh, Randy Newman got some nomin nominations for When She Loved Me song, and, uh, 
He got some Golden Globe. He's a Golden Globe winner for Best Musical. Motion Picture. Um, comedy and Musical. Hmm. Okay, so let me go to the spoiler section for everybody that wants to discuss Toy Story 2 in the spoiler section. So we're talking about Toy Story 2. I am... Actually, that's sort of a spoiler as well. Um, I'm just going to talk about it anyway. Um, Buzz finds out Zerg is his father, and it's just kind of wiped away. Just nothing really comes of it. Uh, actually, he finds out that's his father, and then he gives it to another Buzz, which they don't really touch on at all. There, There's so many times they could have gone back and... Um, really hit some emotional stakes. And I, they, I felt like they kind of biffed it up and used it for jokes instead. And so there definitely does feel like there are some missed opportunities within this movie. Um, well, let's kind of go through the A plot line, and then we'll go to the B plot line. A plot line was Woody and the Prospector, Jesse and uh, uh, Bullwinkle, whatever the fuck his name was. What was um the dog, sorry, not the dog. He basically was a dog. Bullseye. I called him Bullwinkle. So those those three characters are introduced around the twenty minute mark or something like that. Once Woody is taken back to Al's um, apartment, right across from his work, which I, I was cracking up during the Al scenes. I thought this guy was just kind of ridiculous, and the majority of the human characters in this almost were way more fleshed out just from a visual standpoint, than uh, the f- characters in the original movie. And I I enjoyed the scenes that, you know, he was bumbling, fumbling around, but he definitely was a one-note character. They had a, it seemed like they had a Pulp Fiction reference in there with uh, having the doll come, uh, the doll cleaner or master, or whoever the hell that guy is, to, uh, to come uh, clean him up and sew him up and stitch him up. And it's one of the cooler... Um, little montages that happened throughout the movie. I felt like they had a couple great ideas and a couple interesting montages um, and, I guess, visual motifs that showed, um, you know, what what was going on very, very quickly and cinematically. And I felt like the fact that the prospector Jesse and Woody and Bullseye were all stuck in Al's room for the majority of the movie. I, I I don't remember them being stuck in there for so long, but they literally are there for probably an hour and uh, what, what feels the majority of an hour. And honestly, those characters aren't that interesting when it comes down to it. I mean, they do have some great concepts when it's like, you know, we don't want to go back in the storage. We don't, you know... It's made starting to make us crazy and whatnot, but um, I, I and you can sort of understand that. The thing is, Woody seems to have numerous chances he could have left, or he could have told them, "Why don't y'all come with me?" It it felt very contrived. Sounds a little harsh. It it didn't feel contrived, but it definitely felt a slightly unnatural that. Woody was going to stay with Jesse and the Prospector no matter what. Um, it definitely... that I think there was a plot contrivance with that. He, he Everything seemed to say that he was wanted to be, um, be with Andy and not with um, 
these guys. I I didn't see what was drawing him to them, just besides that he was kind of glorified and just had all this, you know, memorabilia and props and stuff like that, which I thought they could have hit on a lot harder. This movie was much more about the commercialization and merchandising and kind of that world, but they didn't really touch on it that much. I, I, I don't know how to describe it, mostly because they show it they they show all of the merchandising and and whatnot, but they don't really sh- tell or give us a visual clue of how it makes the toys feel that say that Buzz sees that there's a hundred other Buzz Lightyears out there. He doesn't really have like a big reaction to it, and it's kind of affecting for us because we're like, hey, this is kind of a big deal. And then they go back in the credits and use it for laughs. So <clears throat> I felt like there was there's a couple misfires with the emotional through line on this movie, which maybe it was rushed, maybe it wasn't, maybe they just weren't thinking as deeply as you know I am right now um, on some of these emotional topics. And granted, you know I'm over here, you know, given hindsight twenty twenty, but. What from what I can tell is there are some big misfires with not having the toys react to seeing themselves essentially being sold. And I just I, I don't know how to um describe that. You know, the, the, there should have been a big reaction from Buzz at that point. You know, he does have a reaction when he sees himself and you know, Buzz 2.0 has the has the belt so we can see who he is. But the thing is the i mean the the fundamental thing is they aren't acting like normal quote unquote people or normal let's just say toys not that toys have a normal normalcy or normal setting to act but if we're comparing them to personified people they're going to act in a different way uh or they're going to react to seeing themselves sold or they're going to react to going into this toy barn. And I thought it was a little bit of a misfire to go hang out with a bunch of Barbies and watch them do whatever and have some visual jokes about them doing uh, all of that. It's, it, it's just not as smartly written when it comes down to it. So, And they didn't look for the emotional through line. And maybe they did originally, but I just didn't see it, didn't feel it. And the only scene I really felt my, you know, the heartstrings being pulled was Jesse losing her quote-unquote Andy. I don't remember who she was owned by, but it was essentially Andy surrogate. And, I mean, I was really feeling for her at that point, but I didn't really care about the Jesse character throughout the majority of the movie because she's kind of self-serving in a way. I mean, just in the same way Woody is, but everybody kind of wants to do what they really want to do themselves, you know, and they want to do it themselves, you know. Um, seeing the prospector go bad... Not much to say about there. He's kind of just eliminated very easily. I think the entire team, when Wayne Knight is trying to get to Tokyo and the museum and all of that, which makes sense. They, you know, to have a, a set location kind of out, you know, out of uh, out of town or something like that. Just, yeah, yeah. It it was um, the airport is a good location to have everyone. Um, 
you know, Buzz and the gang. I thought the gang the entire time of the movie was hilarious. The, uh, what was it, T-Rex guy? I don't remember what his name is, but um, that guy was cracking me up the entire time. Let me see who else. Uh, Buzz was hilarious in this as well. I honestly like, uh, I think I might be a Buzz guy just because the Woody plot line was just so dry for me. I'm anxious to see how Toy Story 3 brings back some emotional stakes and, you know, more of a um, cinematic eye with some of these toys and it doesn't feel so, so that it doesn't feel so much more like a, uh, a TV movie or something like that. I mean, the quality of the movie absolutely is not a TV movie, and the writing obviously isn't either. But the thing is, they hit the bar so high. It's like, you know, just it's like getting a, th- a three pointer and then getting up there and then throwing a two pointer. It's like you still made the shot, but you just didn't get as many points. So that's the kind of thing. Just, you know, reach for a little further. Let me see what else I uh, had to say about this. And. This movie definitely felt just a tad longer to me in in comparison to the first one. I know that the majority of this review was kind of in comparison to the first one, but I mean it's hard not to because of how they're structured. Um, I've heard great things about Toy Story three, and it's been over ten years since I've seen it. I think I watched it in high school when they when it came out for some reason. Like we literally watched it in the high school. I don't know, but. Uh, let me see. I liked the design of Zerg, and I liked all of the spacecraft-esque-ness of, uh, what's it, Buzz Lightyear's um, world, and some of the uh, the tricks they played on the viewer to make us think that we were actually, you know, in space, but we are really in a video game. I remember seeing him get blasted like that. I was like, jeez, Buzz just got blasted. And uh, I, I remember that as a kid. I was like, God, you know, it's intense because, you know, Buzz gets instantly vaporized by Zerk, like almost immediately. And one thing I did like about Zerg coming into this, which I kind of wanted him to have a bigger part. I didn't want him just to go, you know, dick off with the other Buzz. Um, I, I liked, you know, the I am your father, you know, uh, line although it fucking rips that off it's like damn um but uh i don't i don't know they they were reaching hard for it and they ended up not having a big emotional connection with the the zerg character i wonder who did the zerg character let me see if i can find that information um Wallace Shawn is Rex, the the green dinosaur. That shit was, he was hilarious in it. John Ratzenberger is Ham, the pig. I felt like they gave the side characters all the greatest jokes. Let me see. Estelle Harris is Mrs. Potato Head. And she was, she's like, don't talk to anyone. Any other toys. <laughs> um, Andrew Stanton is Zerg. Oh, okay. So that makes makes sense he's also the writer and i'm pretty sure director uh, definitely the director of was it finding nemo and writer or he might just be the writer of it i don't know if he's the director yeah i think he's just the writer of him but still great guy in pixar um yeah once again 
No, I don't really want to talk about the diversity again. I guess it's still the 90s, if you want to use that fucking excuse. You know, all pretty much very, very, it's a sea of white out there. I don't see too many people of color and not terribly many women. So that's another problem for back in the day. But you already know, they're they're working on it. They're working on it. So, all right. Um, if you like this podcast, please check out the other podcasts of Toy Story that we're covering. We're also covering Toy Story 1, 2, 3, and 4. So, um... I these were movies I loved as a kid, and I, it's been a blast going back and rewatching them. Um, even though I would say this was this movie was more of my like and not so much love ca- category, I still found it uh, a lot of fun to watch. Um, so yeah, I would definitely check it out. I I, I think I already gave my uh, star rating eight out of ten, and um, yeah. Be sure to check out um, the rest of the Lucky Dog podcast. Um, they're available on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Castbox, TuneIn, uh, all those podcast apps that you use out there. You crazy kids! Um, if y'all are interested in comments, questions, concerns, send email at luckydogpodcast@gmail.com. Check all the social medias out. Um, let me see. Let me see what I get up here when I look at all the social media stuff over here. Okay. Um, happy Pride Month, by the way, from the Lucky Dog Podcast. We wanted to make sure we represent our uh, pride. Twitter, at Lucky Dog Podcast. Facebook, the Facebook link is listed down below. Um, Twitch, twitch.tv slash Lucky Dog Podcast if you want to watch us and join us and play some games with us. Um, Instagram. Instagram.com slash the Lucky Dog Podcast. So thank you for listening to the Lucky Dog Podcast. We have tons of other stuff coming down the tube. Um, since this is all in real time, we're not waiting any weeks to, to drop this. We're just dropping it immediately. Drop it like it's hot. Um, we have uh, Men in Black International available. We have uh, the original Toy Story, like I said, 1995, already available. Rocket Man 2019. I would... I would recommend you go see that first and then listen to the review. I like that movie a lot. Uh, Godzilla, King of the Monsters, listen to the review, and I'll tell you if you need that. Um, Dark Phoenix, ooh, one of the lowest grossing X-Men movies out there. But is it good? Check out the review. All right, y'all. Thank you for listening to the Lucky Dog Podcast. We only exist because of you. You that's listening right now. You that is on some part of the world that's spinning like we're all it's, it's spinning and we're all holding at the same time real hard till the next movie comes out and then we jump off do a podcast and then we jump back on this crazy thing and we call the earth again and we're spinning again so uh there's only a limited amount of time in the world so uh i guess we're getting real existential right now so yeah, i guess it's good to get our thoughts and feelings down you know via something so you got mine down you got my first take or hot take. I guess it's not my first take because I'm not seven or whenever. I'm not six years old or whenever the fuck it came out. But um, uh, it's my second hot take on Toy Story 2. It's pretty good, but not as good as first. Let's check out the third. Thank you for listening. Look at our podcast. And take it easy. Two, one, three. Tom Hanks, Tim Allen. Toy Story 2. Ride like the wind, bullseye! <laughs> <laughs>